every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. Chris is producing this thing floating around. Kyle and I are your hosts. It's a Thursday. We're brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again. College basketball is taking center stage with the tournament finally upon us. And if you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your updated odds and info. They have great contests. So check them out. Head to the website. Use your mobile device. You can sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to you. What is going on? Just had a great conversation with my good buddy, Chris Schubert. About oh quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was sitting here in the uh, in the the pre-show meeting. And not, not really a pre-show meeting, right? Like, we have a guest today on the show, which we're very excited about. Well, we did the interview before we did the logistics stuff, the intro, the outro, give some friends, uh, give our, our friends at Ben Online some love and thank them for their support. And in the bridge of trying to like, okay, we did this great interview. Let's intro it and outro it and give it to the people. You guys had a whole additional episode of Draft Dudes in which you were just at each other's throats for about 15 minutes. I'm pretty sure you just stopped and said you ate a snack. That's I'm pretty I, sure that's I what I ate happened. food, yes. I was like, I'm not getting in the middle of this. Let them fight. Let them fight. We did. Well, Chris is entitled to his wrong opinion, but. Oh, wow. We're, we'll have to revisit that, right? <laughs> I, that's something we're going to have to do. Probably so. So today on the show, as mentioned, as promised, we have an excellent guest that we are very excited uh, to bring to all of you listeners here on Draft Dudes, quarterbacks coach Sean McAvoy of Quarterback Takeover joins us to talk about Malik Willis, the NFL draft process, and much more here on Draft Dudes. So we are joined today on Draft Dudes by a special guest, quarterbacks coach Sean McAvoy from QB Takeover. And coach, we want to thank you for taking some time. You obviously had uh, an eventful week this week with quarterback Malik Willis and you guys' involvement with him. So I guess first and foremost, how are you? What did you think of the pro day experience with Malik and um what what does the rest of this draft process look like with you guys and specifically with Malik? Yeah, first of all, doing great. Thanks for having me, both of you guys. Uh, pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, it was a great week. We got out to Lynchburg uh, probably Thursday morning of last week. You know, wanted to start working through our script with some of the receivers there at Liberty. Uh, Trey Turner from, from Virginia Tech came down and wanted to throw with Malik as well. And so kind of put that work in, just making sure we were ready to go Tuesday and and certainly felt like he just crushed, you know, the pro day workout. And whatever you think of the importance of a pro day, the reality is it's part of the process. So if you got to go do it, you might as well crush it. 
uh, and certainly felt like Malik did that piece of it. So now we're kind of transitioning into just the way we would train any NFL quarterback in the offseason, right? Get him ready to, to play wherever he goes and, and play at a high level as quickly as he can. Um, obviously, he'll be doing some NFL uh, meetings and some teams are bringing them in uh, to work out or go through board work or, or just kind of meet everybody in the, uh, you know, in the decision making process there. So that'll be most of April and, and getting ready for the draft and in, uh, in Vegas at the end of the month. So that's the plan. So, Sean, as you've gotten a chance to work intimately with Malik Willis here, getting him ready for all of these very significant events, what are some of those things that really stand out? about your time with Malik that we need to know? What do we need to know about this potential quarterback that some team out there is getting? And what does that fan base need to know about Malik Willis? Yeah, I, I think the cool part of this whole process is guys are realizing what we've known. So the quick backstory, I've worked with Malik since he was in high school. He's been with Quincy Avery and myself with quarterback takeover for four years now. Um, so What's neat about knowing an athlete in that way, as opposed to maybe last year with Trey Lance, where we didn't really know him too much until right before the draft process, um, is that you know what he does well, you know what he needs to work on. And so you feel like you can jump right into it. But what guys are starting to realize and what we've always known is, is how high trait a quarterback like Malik is. So we knew that he had about the strongest arm of any guy we've ever worked with, right? We knew... He was just kind of uncanny with his athletic ability. And we knew how good of a person he was. Like, he's a guy you just, you love talking to. You kind of fall, like, kind of charms you in a way, right? He's just, he's quiet, but he's confident. He's super humble. All the things that people are starting to realize in these last couple months, if you didn't have the opportunity to watch him play over the last couple of years, um, is kind of what we've already known. Sean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned his arm strength because I, I think – you think about the quarterback position and what the norms used to be the pockets passer guys that had the big arm and the ability to really push the ball down the field. But we've kind of seen this resurgence as far as toolsy quarterbacks that have higher athletic ceilings at their disposal, but also having that arm strength so that when they do extend plays, they can access as much of the field as possible to really create those explosives. So I just was curious to kind of hear you expand upon your perception of arm strength as a part of the quarterback position and, and being a young dynamic guy like Malik is and some of the other guys that you've seen come into the league who have used that to, to help them hit the ground running as far as being successful NFL quarterbacks. I think that the biggest thing when you think of arm strength is everybody thinks it's like who can throw it the furthest, right? And really that's cool. And there's some opportunities where, where that is an important trait to have, but the reality of where that ability changes your opportunity to be really successful is in your ability to drive the ball into tighter windows, right? So when we think about arm strength, it's not, can you throw it 75 yards? It's really, can he throw that 40 yard, you know, bang eight post just over the linebacker before the safety can get there. Uh, can he drive into the cover two, like that whole shot between a dropping corner and the safety trying to work off the hash? When we talk about arm strength, that's what we're talking about. And what it does is obviously it allows an offense to attack the full field, right? Obviously the simplest way to think about football is the defense is trying to take everything away and we're trying to attack their weaknesses. And so when you're able to play within like a 50 yard 
field, 50 yards deep and the whole width 53 yards across. And I can put the ball with velocity because of my arm strength in any spot, then it doesn't need to be a very big window for me to be able to fit that ball in. The other thing it does is it allows a quarterback a little wiggle room where maybe he is slightly behind in a progression. Maybe he didn't see it. Maybe the defense did fool him, but his ability to still drive that ball in, even if he's slightly off schedule, continues to allow him opportunities, even if he's slightly, you know, kind of off script with the play, if that makes sense. So Sean, when you're working with a quarterback with a big arm, like a Malik Willis, what type of challenges come up when it comes to developing that ability to also throw with touch and put the right weight on the football when you know that this guy's got a great fastball, but how do you develop those other clubs in the bag? Is that a challenge that you see with quarterbacks like Malik or um, is it something that uh, just a matter of reps and, and time on task and they, they eventually get that type of stuff figured out? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's both. I think it can be challenging when, hey, you've always won with this one thing, right? And then realizing, hey, there is a percentage of time and maybe it's a smaller percentage because a lot of times ripping it will kind of work for you. But obviously we need to layer balls over defenders. We need to throw with a little bit more anticipation earlier on this break, which means we need to add some touch to allow the receiver's route to time up with that throw. Uh, that is certainly part of the development and the learning process. I think the important piece mechanically is for the quarterback to understand how we do that, right? A lot of quarterbacks want to add touch by slowing their arm down or kind of getting cute, if you will, with, with their arm path or trying to place it or aim it in. And the reality that quarterbacks need to understand is all we're doing is we're lessening the power, right? We're going to maybe add a little bit more trajectory. Our arm's going to continue to accelerate really fast. Those are the things that keep a quarterback mechanically sound and accurate. But by lessening the power and adding trajectory, that's how we add that touch, if that makes sense. So just having a quarterback kind of understand where the opportunities are, where adding touch will help me be successful. And then understanding the best way to do that are kind of the two pieces. So yeah, there, no doubt. I mean, people that have been watching Malik for years understand that that was a piece of his game that needed to improve. Uh, and I think guys that have seen him throw over the last couple of months have realized that he's, um, he's attacked that and has made those improvements. I, I can't think of a better embodiment of, of what we are, are talking about as far as you know, having all of these areas of focus and development, but then also there being this just intrinsic talent that exists for you to be able to roll to your left, no feet on the ground, launch at 65 yards on the money like Malik did at the pro day. So, you know, it, it's been really interesting to listen to you talk about you know, the, from a fundamental standpoint, you know, and keeping your stroke consistent and, and, you know, making sure all of your points of emphasis are consistent, just, you know, adjusting your power. But you know, what about the intrinsic creativity of being a quarterback and winning amidst the chaos, right? When yeah. you get a free runner and you got to drop that arm slot and throw that. Has that always been something that you, cause you've been around Malik for, for so much of his development as a passer, like you've always seen that. And that kind of was a, a, an element to his game to, to be able to make stuff happen when it's not how it's going to be coached amidst the chaos of, of live reps. Yeah. I think without a doubt, I mean, his athleticism was the first thing that, they jumped out when I first met him, right? And now that's a blessing and a curse too, right? Because what we need to understand with a quarterback who has that ability 
and this is something Malik and I have talked about for years now, is like, hey, let's have that be the icing on the cake and not the one thing you do really well. And right, and this has been a knock of a lot of running quarterbacks or quote unquote dual threat. And secretly what we mean is they can't really throw, right? With that, that kind of the narrative that's out there. It, sometimes they, quarterbacks want to rely too heavily on the athletic ability and not play the position the way it needs to be played. Uh, needs to be on time, needs to be working through the progression, needs to take advantage of what the defense is giving you. Then when things break down, receivers run the wrong route, the defense takes away, you know, obviously the defense is really good at what they do as well. Um, then can we flip that switch and have this extra level, this extra layer that a lot of other quarterbacks to play a position don't have. That's where when it comes together like that is where a quarterback, you know, can, can really be special. Um, so that's the key. I think we all agree that the quarterback position still, the emphasis is on, can you make a throw from the pocket on third and nine? to move the chains. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that will ever change as much as the NFL game is changing and quarterbacks with differing abilities are starting to thrive more and more. I think the ability to be consistent from the pocket um, is still priority number one, which is why when at the senior bowl and at the combine and as pro day, when all you do is throw from the pocket and people are raving about how well he throws, that's, you know, we love that piece of it. And then the extra ability with his feet or to make the crazy throws like you saw in the pro day. And by the way, not that the pro day, but the throw he had at Virginia Tech, right. some throws he had in the, at the, in the bowl game in Eastern Michigan is a very similar throw to what we did in the pro day. Um, it's not like you can't find those types of plays and throws all over his film as well. Um, but I think that's where it really comes together. That's what we're working towards. So, Real quick, Joe, if you don't mind, I, I want to piggyback off of that because it's, it's in the front of my mind. And I know if I let you go, I'm going to forget it. Uh, Sean, you had mentioned the entire pre-draft process that Malik has, has been through and people seeing him throw it from, take those throws that would be from a pocket and, and getting those rave reviews. But if you, if you think about what Malik's narratives have and have not been, is there anything that you've been really surprised to hear based off of what you, you have known and knew about Malik coming into this pre-draft process, that was something that kind of caught legs that, that you didn't really see throughout the course of your time on task with him. I mean, there's, there's, there's numerous, right. And then this is like, now you're going to get me off on a tangent here, but you know, obviously <laughs> starting back in November, December, there was always the projection of this draft class stinks or my favorite one was like the, eighth quarterback picked in last year, like Kellen Mond would be QB one in this draft class or that things of that nature. Right. Which is funny to me. And, and obviously I have more information on a guy like Malik Willis or quarterbacks that we work with than others. And obviously there's bias that's involved here as well. So I don't like to compare to guys that I don't train, but Trey Lance, we ran his draft prep last year, Justin Fields, we've worked with for years, continue to work with both of those guys now. I know how well Malik stands up among those two other athletes. I've seen them train together on the same field. I've seen them, you know, make the same types of throws. And I've been able to compare arm strength and mechanics and footwork and obviously watched all their game film. So however you want to rank those two or three guys, and some people have one above the other, but I think most people are going to realize those guys are very close. Um, I think you guys did your 
comparison to last year and talked about how maybe you had Justin above both of them, but maybe Malik above Trey. And I think a lot of people are coming to that realization now that what you don't have in this draft class is a Trevor Lawrence. You don't have a no doubt about it. We knew four years ago that he was going to be the best guy. You could put Justin in that class as well. But outside of that, I think you have talented players or at least one really talented QB that stacks up well compared to those other guys. That was one narrative. The second narrative is that, you know, this idea that he didn't produce or didn't play very well for two years at Liberty. I mean, I, I know that the, the, the comparative schedule is something people want to talk about. Who did they play? You know, I think that gets, has to be juxtaposed with the talent that was around him against the teams he faced. I think that is clear. But at the end of the day, I mean, he had more touchdowns in the last two years than any player in college football. You know, he had, I think he was sixth last year in touchdowns and yardage as a quarterback. You know, obviously Justin didn't play a full year in the Big Ten, but he had more than Trevor, certainly more than Desmond Ritter, certainly more than Kenny Pickett. You know what I mean? Like, so, and then this year he had 40 touchdowns again this year on his, this was his down year, I guess, is what people want to tell you, right? So, so that narrative is just kind of interesting to me. Really, it just boils down to people didn't watch Liberty football, which is understandable. And then as this process has moved on, I think people have gone back and, and evaluated the film and they've actually watched him throw live and they realized the traits and they've gotten the feedback from the interviews and what NFL teams think about him after meeting him. And so I don't think he's this guy who suddenly is everyone's QB one because he threw a great throw at the pro day. I think people are just catching up and realizing what some of us knew two years ago about this one player. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Well, Sean, by nature of our process at the Draft Network, we have the entire country split up into regions, and Liberty's not in my region. And so I've been focused in on my region from last May up until about the beginning of this year, January. And so we finally got around to doing the cross checks and that's where everyone cross pollinates within the regions. And we watch all the players together. And I remember when we got to Malik Willis, I was really excited, obviously, because I had Ritter and I had Pickett and I had Howell and I had Bailey Zappi in my region. I'm like, all right, can I see a different quarterback? And so I pop on the Malik Willis tape and we get to the meeting. I remember the first thing I said to the, to the group was, I expected it to be bad and it, and it, and it wasn't. And that was just kind of based on a lot of those narratives that, you know, you keep hearing, but until you dive in for yourself and, you know, I would have loved to have sooner, but I'm so 
focused in on what I'm responsible for that I didn't have the opportunity to do that. I was expecting a different player than what I got. And, and it really, after having seen him at the senior bowl and getting to spend some time with him, having that layer and then going backwards really helped me appreciate exactly what this player is. But uh, the question that I have for you, Sean, is you just mentioned that pro day just happened for Malik at Liberty. And, and, you know, you guys got down there early, started working with the, with the, uh, the receivers and, I'm sure a lot goes into preparing that script. And so I'm curious if you can kind of walk us through that process of, all right, what do we want to do? How do we want to accomplish it? What do teams want to see? Like what goes into building a script for, for a quarterback at a pro day? Yeah, no doubt. It's, it is a cool piece. It's kind of a behind the curtains piece that most guys don't get to find out about. And uh, actually Quincy Avery, who put out a tweet, I think yesterday, kind of peeling back that curtain a little bit as well. But, you know, basically the first thing you want to do is you want to show the teams and, you know, everybody, decision makers, evaluating the quarterback a little bit of everything, right? You want to show his ability, like we started the conversation off with, it. can he make all those throws all over the field? So you probably have a core of maybe 30 throws that probably every QB is going to throw in every single pro day script. Then you want to find out, hey, what do teams and evaluators and coaches feel like they hadn't seen enough of? Right. Like I watched his game film for two years. Maybe I didn't see him attacking the middle of the field enough. Maybe I would like to see a little bit more touch on some throws on the outside. Hey, can he work through a progression and then move off platform and make a throw that type of thing. So in the conversations with coaches and through the interview process and, you know, through the agents and information they get, you, you, you identify what people think are weaknesses and you want to try to show that those are actually strengths of your QB, right? And that's a hard part. Like, you know, one of the knocks on Malik Willis is he didn't attack the middle of the field. Well, what we throw out is it's just they had an offense that wasn't designed with route concepts that attacked that. It's not that he couldn't throw it, right? Like, I, but whatever, you, you put some of that in. That's another piece of it. Uh, then we, and this is Quincy Avery's kind of the brainchild behind this concept. And I think he's the best that puts these things together. He wants to talk about, hey, what teams are you meeting with? Who's really interesting you? Who have you been spending a lot of time? Go watch some of their film. And we put this on the quarterback. So Quincy said, hey, Malik, those six teams that you're meeting with, you know, they have dinner with before your pro day, dinner with after the teams that already brought you in for, for a meeting in April, go watch their film and find out plays you like, find out throws you like, different play actions they run. And that's an important piece because if I'm the – the, you know, the, let's say Mike Tomlin, you know, or I'm Matt Canada and I'm watching Malik at his pro day and he runs that same boot action rollout deep over. That's like a staple in our offense. Well, not only do I make that connection mentally, but I can envision that quarterback running my offense. Does that make sense? So that's the, that's kind of the third piece. And then the last piece is show off. Like, what's the thing that you can do that nobody else can do? And with a guy like Malik Willis, this gets really fun because he can, like we said, start rolling right, roll out left, flip his hips, throw it 70 yards across the field to the opposite hash. Um, and so you put that in as well, right? Because you just want to show a little bit of everything. And like I said, I, I've, you know, I know the feedback. I know people think pro days are silly, but it's like it's a part of the process. It's one of the tests that these guys do, right? Senior bowl is a test. Combine's a test. Interviews and meetings and all the media is a test. They do the wonder lick. That's a test, right? 
and so is the pro day. So you might as well just ace every test that you're asked to take. So whether you think it's important or not, like I said, we were happy to just crush that event. Now, I, I hear you guys talking about carving out those core concepts and principles and the money throws from different teams. And um, I guess it, what I am curious about is obviously one of the teams that is quarterback needy and they are at the top of the draft is, is Detroit. Malik had a unique opportunity at the senior bowl to work with the Detroit coaching staff. So I guess just from that pro day construction standpoint, did that help to narrow some money throws or was the thought process? Well, we got to work within that system for a week. So we don't necessarily need to put that kind of emphasis on money throws from Detroit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think they had the most unique opportunity to get to know him. Maybe they had mm -hmm. less questions than some other teams who didn't have that ability yet, but no, there was depth. So I think that, I think we looked at Detroit, Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, right? We went through quite a few teams there. Yeah. And I'm sure I missed one or two. And we certainly sprinkled some things in from, from just about all those teams. Cool. Sean, let me ask you this. Um, one of the big things coming out of the combine with Malik was the video of him walking down the street and, and helping an underprivileged man. And you know, that got a lot of attention and I got a lot of really good attention. And then there was the people that said, well, you know, this is a guy who is in the middle of the NFL world where every media person known to man is there. And this was a, was, this was, you know, not a genuine thing. And so as somebody who has known Malik Willis since high school, like you have, can, can you dispel anything out there that may indicate uh, that that wasn't the real genuine Malik Willis? Yeah. I mean, people are going to believe what they want to believe. It, it's so silly to me when I saw some of that, that feedback after the fact, right? It's, it, it's, it's who he is. I mean, it's the way he was raised as a credit to his parents his, his, his grandmothers were the ones that kind of, you know, raised him with kind of Christian beliefs and, 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 and really started to begin like his faith journey that obviously carried on through Liberty. You know, it's funny. So let me tell you two stories real quick. The first one is how I find out that that video exists, right? We're at the combine, we're in Indy, it's one 30 in the morning. So we're at whatever bar I'm at, you know, a couple drinks in, let's put it there. And <laughs> some guy comes up to me and introduces me as like, you know, this guy works with Malik and, you know, this and that, and he's known Malik for years. And, and he says, oh my God, I saw a video today. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I ran into some guy at another bar who like, apparently they were like at lunch and they saw somebody talking to like a homeless person and they weren't sure who it was. And they tried to like get a video and it, and it was Malik apparently. And, so like there was this rumor that this video was out there. That was the first time I'd heard of it, right? It was just kind of this story that allegedly this happened. But my instant thought was, I've seen him do that. Like I've been around, like that's who he is. Here's a, one more story, quick one for you. We were leaving an agent meeting. He was trying to make the decision making process on who his agent was gonna be. So we meet at a hotel in, in Georgia um, with his dad. He's running, uh, he's running on his way there and hadn't eaten yet. So he stops to get a pizza, brings it in like large pepperoni pizza. We're all eating, it's like 2.30. So we have like a three hour meeting. He leaves, there's half a pizza left because nobody else was hungry. So we're walking out, it's me and Malik, Malik's dad, we're walking to the cars, talking about how the meeting went. All of a sudden I realized it's only me and Malik's dad at this point. And we kind of look back and I don't know where Malik is. Well, Malik's 
on the other side of the hotel. Because as we walked out the door, there was like a homeless man asleep on like one of the benches outside the hotel. Now, if there was any question, he's a lot better person than I am because I never even saw the guy, right? Well, we look over some leaks, like woke him up, was talking to him. And then of course gave him like the pizza and then caught up with us. You know, and in my head, I'm like, man, what's the heck video of that, right? That would have been a cool moment for people to see. But, you know, the reality is it's truly who he is. It's his character. I think people that, that knew him and have known him at Liberty and, and from back in high school have kind of defended the people who thought it was fake or made up or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's, he believes that, uh, you know, he he's, has a, he's in a position where he can help out people that need it. Uh, and, and never wants to miss an opportunity to do that. So Sean, as, as we get ready to let you go here and, and thank you for sharing, uh, it's, it's of course. really great to hear that, that, that component of these, these people that are so often dehumanized as just being pawns on the football field. Right. And, and to hear the stories of the people underneath the helmets is always really cool for us, but we've spent so much time talking about Malik, but would love to, to give you an opportunity to, to kind of tell our listener base, a little bit about yourself as well and kind of your journey in, in quarterback coaching before we let you out of here. I mean, this is going to be the most boring part of this whole conversation, <laughs> but uh, I was a high school quarterback coach for years and, and kind of transitioned into the, the private quarterback training space from there, you know, basically starting out just working with my high school quarterbacks in the off season. Uh, I had a couple that were really talented and had an opportunity to go play FCS and FBS football out of the Pennsylvania area where I grew up. And then I think the big tipping point for me was about seven years ago, I moved down to Georgia and that's kind of where I was able to, to, to kind of do the private training thing exclusively, kind of do it for a living. Quincy Avery obviously had built a really solid base down here in the Atlanta area, working with guys like Deshaun Watson, working with guys like Josh Dobbs since high school. And, and really there's a funny part of the story too. Malik was probably my first big guy. Now he's a high school player at this time was committed to Virginia tech as like, maybe a DB, maybe a QB. Um, but he knew he wanted to play quarterback at the next level. I wanted to make sure that the best guys I worked with had a lot of the same advantages and opportunities that a lot of the best guys Quincy Avery worked with. And that's kind of beginning of quarterback takeover. We kind of came together. Um, you know, so Malik was working with Justin Fields and Emory Jones and those types of players and Deshaun Watson and Josh Dobbs that Quincy had worked with. And for the last five years, we've kind of built this thing up. So the last four years of draft preps, Quincy and I have done together. Um, and pretty much all the high school college guys we train in the area, we kind of do all that piece together as well. So it's been super fun, a ton of opportunities I've been able to have because of Quincy. Um, but we're just having a blast doing it together. Well, I don't know about boring. So thank you for sharing that component of, of you and your story as well. And we really appreciate your time here on draft dude. So ladies and gentlemen, Coach Sean McAvoy of Quarterback Takeover. Thanks so much. We wish you, your group, your team, everybody, Malik, the, the absolute best the rest of the way here through the draft. That's awesome. I appreciate you guys. Thanks. We hope you guys enjoyed this interview with quarterbacks coach Sean McAvoy. We know we certainly did. And uh, very enlightening conversation and, and cool to you know see the behind the curtain of, of how the sausage is made from a pro day perspective and quarterback development and get to know Malik Willis a little bit better and, and quarterback takeover a little bit better as well. They do phenomenal work. They've worked with a lot of great young quarterbacks and Lord knows they have plenty more in the pipeline that we're going to get to know in the years ahead. So make sure you 
Stay plugged in here on Draft Dudes for all your NFL, NFL drafting, college football needs. Make sure you go find quarterback takeover. Quincy Avery and Sean McAvoy, their whole team over on social media. Maybe we can send out some links, Chris. Is that, is that an agreeable thing that we can do? Okay, great. Nod his head for those of you who can't see. And um, we got takes on takes tomorrow. Very exciting time here to close out this week as we get ready to flip the calendar over to April. Plan accordingly. We got you covered here on Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs, Joe Murnow, Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Ben Online for their continued support. And thanks, as always, for all of you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.